You're listening to the School of Reinvention podcast. I'm your host, Roger Osorio. I'm the author of The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passion, and Purpose. I'm also the founder of The School of Reinvention, a community-based coaching platform where we help people define success on their terms and reinvent themselves to make it happen. I believe that as the years pass, our values, passions, and purpose evolve, and we must reinvent ourselves in order to stay aligned with who we really are and what matters to us. This podcast is all about exploring different journeys to reinvention so that you can learn the strategies for how to successfully launch your next reinvention. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the School of Reinvention podcast. I am your host, Roger Osorio. I'm a reinvention coach and the author of the book, The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passions, and Purpose. I appreciate you making time to listen to this podcast. And today I want to talk about something a little different than what I'm sure other solo episodes will sound like. Today's episode is a little bit more from the heart. Um, it's a little bit more near and dear to me. Uh, there will be a little bit more emotion in this one. And well, I hope that you find it valuable and there's something in it for you, something you can take away that will help you. Uh, today is the it's the it's the last uh, <clears throat> Today's the anniversary of the last time that I saw my mother before she passed away. Uh, at least as of this recording, <laughs> it'll come out in a few days time. Um, but yeah, it was the night before my wife went into labor with our baby as well. So, uh, that was, uh, the last time I saw my mother, we, we had dinner. My wife and I went over to see my mom and dad and uh, we enjoyed dinner knowing that, gosh, this might be the last dinner we have before, uh, our baby arrives. And while well, it turned out, it was also the last dinner uh, that we would ever have. Um, <clears throat> three days later, I became a father. And five days after that, my mother left us. <clears throat> you know, my greatest fear for as long as I can remember has been to lose a parent. So much um, has happened on my journey to reinvention. And still this fear is like the number one thing. You know, I've quit jobs. I've been laid off. I've been fired without even being told. Imagine finding out by just trying to access your email and your email doesn't work. <laughs> Nobody even had the uh, interest in telling you or, uh, you know, decided to even say anything. I've also pushed myself to the limits. I completed two master's degrees at once at the same exact time from two different universities. I lived a schedule where, I mean, it. Uh, during that time, I worked uh, a job at a university and I also had two side hustle businesses that I was running. Um, went through a lot during that time and still this uh, fear it was the number one thing in my life. Um, I have, relationships have started and ended and one of them even ended in a divorce I've made money, I've lost money, I've owed 
money, lots of it at times. I've found myself in some incredible lows and dark places. And I've also experienced incredible fulfillment. This journey has really been an incredible, imperfect, and yet perfect roller coaster ride of experiences and emotions. And for almost all of it, I had my mother, someone who loved me unconditionally, no matter what happened in my life, no matter what mistake I had made or success I had achieved. It really made no difference. And for several years, she battled pulmonary fibrosis, a progressive uh, disease that can really only be cured through a lung transplant. And she went through a really difficult um, mental journey to get to the point where she even accepted the idea of a lung transplant and pursued it. Unfortunately, after a few occasions where we got the call, went to the hospital, and you know we thought that the lung was available, um, it never came through. Uh, there was never a lung that came through for her. And um, in her last year, which was 2022, last year, this is 2023 when I'm recording this. Uh, that last year was a tough one because the disease advanced a lot. Um, but then in March of 2022, she got the news that my wife and I were pregnant and we were expecting in late November. And this made my mom so happy. You know, her, her biggest fear was that I would not have a child. Um, mostly because she didn't want me to grow old and not have someone to take care of me. I mean, obviously she knew my wife would be there, um, but what she meant by having a child was a little different, right? In the sense that, you know, both my wife and I would have someone younger there with us, someone who was a part of us, someone who we brought into the world that we could have in our life, you know, uh, until much later. God willing, of course. Furthermore, I think she thought, uh, or, you know, she considered, I should say, I, I do know, she considered motherhood her greatest and her most fulfilling accomplishment. And so she wanted me to have this as well. She wanted me to experience fatherhood. She believed that I would make an incredible father and she wanted that for me. So knowing that Sophia was on her way made her so happy. And her only wish that year was to make it long enough for, for Sophia to arrive. And then in May, at her quarterly check-in, at the lung transplant center, the doctor shared some really bad results. Uh, he said that she experienced her biggest declines in virtually every measure that mattered. He said that at this point, if nothing changes, uh, she will likely not make it longer than three months. The problem was my mom needed six months. And at that point, her goal, her only goal and purpose uh, was that, was to make it six months. And she committed to do whatever the doctor said she needed to do to slow down the disease and buy her the extra months. So she got to work and with help from all of us. At her next appointment in September, the doctor said her numbers not only slowed down the rate, slowed down in their rate of decline, but some of them even improved just slightly, but they improved. And he was so impressed and so proud of her. I was there at that appointment, and I remember how excited he was for her. He knew how much she wanted to make it to Sophia's birth. And she did. She passed away five days after Sophia was born. They never met in person. She actually passed away the morning of the day that she was going to meet Sophia. Uh, because of her condition, she couldn't leave the house, really. I mean, only to go to doctor's appointments. She needed... Um, 
uh, too much oxygen and there wasn't enough that could really be provided outside of home. So only trips to the doctor were the only ones that we could really make work. And she definitely couldn't go to a hospital if she didn't have appointments simply because she was susceptible to a lot of other illnesses that she would not be able to handle. And so she couldn't come to the hospital that day when Sophia was born uh, to meet Sophia. However, thanks to technology, FaceTime, things like that, uh, they did have a few interactions over the phone. And while they didn't meet in person, I, I really believe that they, that they know each other. I think that they cross paths in a way that I am not meant to understand. Ever since her first couple of months, you know, Sophia has always been drawn to pictures of my mom. That continues to this day, actually, when I take her to the mausoleum to see her grandmother. Uh, my mom is in a bottom row, so Sophia can actually sit right in front of her. And she always touches her picture and always caresses her inscription. And it's crazy because there's so many other people, obviously, there in the mausoleum, uh, right alongside my mother. And, and she'll go and play with their flowers or whatever they have there. But, but the only one she really sits in front of and stays with and caresses and, and plays with the picture is of her grandmother. And, you know, this week, um, every year for the rest of my life, I'm sure will be a heavy one um, in, in good and in, in, in all ways because we'll be celebrating the birth of my child and the passing of my mother all in the same week every year. And of all the things that I've gone through on this journey, this was my greatest challenge. And on some level, I feel that part of this uh, life I built was meant for that moment. You know, I created a life where I could shift priorities as needed or shift to priorities as needed. If family needed me, I could shift to that. If work needed me, I could shift back to that. If friends needed me, I could shift to them. If I got really sick, I could shift to recovery. Whatever the priority, as long as it was one that actually mattered to me, I knew that I had built a life where I can put all my focus into whatever needed my attention and address it fully. And of course, a big part of that was knowing all of my priorities in all different areas of my life. And that week was was perhaps one of those weeks that, or the, the week that most greatly tested my values, my priorities, my beliefs, and my purpose. You know, as Sophia's due date arrived, I hustled to get as much work done as possible. I had just launched my book earlier that fall, um, barely two months before she was born. And I jam-packed for like about a dozen cities and a few countries of book talk events into just under two months. Um, I even committed to be back home three weeks before the due date and not travel anymore after that for the foreseeable future. Um, I got all other work that I could get done in those three weeks done um, so that when the due date would arrive, I could shift all of my focus to my wife and baby. I prayed that Sophia would actually begin her arrival no later than Friday the 18th, uh, or no earlier, I should say, than Friday the 18th, um, because I thought to myself, oh, if, you know, Sophia, if I could get just one full week of work done, I promise you I'll be fully ready, and I even preferred after the workday. Uh, my wife agreed too. And we, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, we actually put a hold on both of our calendars for going into labor. I think that's what it's called, going into labor or labor time, something like that. And it was set for the afternoon right after lunch on Friday um, the 18th. Uh, well, 
you know, our, our little bug decided to give us the full workday because my wife's water broke at 5 p.m. on Friday. I couldn't believe it. Like, I mean, I, I, my wife and I had to stop and recognize that this just happened. <laughs> she literally waited um, for the end of the workday to actually begin her entry. And so, uh, yeah, it's just incredible that it, it, it happened almost according to schedule. And from that moment on, all my focus shifted to Rowena and to Sophia. And then five days after Sophia arrived, my mom passed away. Now with Sophia here, um, you know, Rowena, Sophia, and I all shifted our focus to say goodbye to mom. You know, Sophia was uh, truly an angel. Uh, she had been, she, she had to already be out and about more than we intended, you know, in the first few weeks of life. Um, and within the first five, you know, days, she was already out and about. Uh, she had to come everywhere with us. I mean, anyone I would have asked to watch Sophia during a difficult moment was impacted by my mom's passing. So there was really no one that could look after her. And so she came with us, uh, she came everywhere with us and, and she did so well. Uh, you know, I won't go into all of the details, but she just did incredibly well. I mean, there were so many new faces, so many new people. Everyone of course wanted to hold her. And I think in the, in a way she was a real blessing at all of these, you know, events like the funeral, the wake and all those things, because, you know, with Sophia there, I mean, people were sad, but I mean, how can you not smile when, when you know, you, you're faced with a baby, uh, especially such a tiny little one. And so I think Sophia played her, played her role there. <laughs> um, I wonder if she was always part of my mom's plans for that. Hmm. I'll never know, I suppose, but it did work out pretty well because she served, she was like the entertainment at the, at all of these events. And so, you know, after this, I decided to take uh, the, the following couple of weeks uh, to process my feelings and to be with Sophia and Rowena. And just as I started to feel a little bit better and, you know, from about, you know, my mom's passing and I started to feel like maybe I could even get back to work and I started to get a little bit of work done. Um, I think it was that week right before Christmas. I was like, I'll get a little bit done before Christmas time. I caught COVID. Um, badly enough that it knocked me out for a solid week. Uh, it, it was just uh, incredible because I ended up missing my first Christmas with Sophia since I couldn't even go near her. I couldn't touch her or anything like that. Um, but nevertheless, I, I did shift my focus to getting better. And I, I did that so that I could at least enjoy the new year with Sophia. And that was the mission. That's what kept me focused was making it, making sure that I was better by the new year. And I was. Um, the first day I tested negative was uh, the 31st of December. And so I was good to go that day to start celebrating with Sophia. And I was so glad um, I was able to shift back to focusing on Sophia and Rowena. All in all, I took about six weeks off um, during that, you know, after the point when Sophia was born, my mother passed away, getting sick. Um, so it was six weeks before I really got back to work and I only did the things that were most important. You know, there were a few meetings I had, but if I was, I mean, during COVID, I had no meetings because I really just couldn't even do that. And it turns out that when you really think about it, there are not many things that are, that really need to be done. Uh, it, it seems like they do. I think we think that things need to be done until you don't have the time or the physical or the mental health to do it. And then all of a sudden you can really trim down your actions, your to-do list to just 
those core most important things. And those six weeks did something for me. They also created the space for me to have some incredible breakthroughs for my business. Breakthroughs that we've spent the year bringing to life, the year of 2023 bringing to life, including this podcast. So there are about, there are a few things that I learned and, and I, and I want to conclude this episode or, or dedicate the second half of this episode, I should say to these five takeaways that I want to leave with you. Things that I, I learned after going through all of this. And I hope that some of these lessons, and I'm sure actually, I, I'm confident that these lessons will, will help you in different ways. Um, you know, maybe in a similar moment, but also in other moments, because I think there are, the lessons are applicable to different areas of life. So the first lesson I want to share with everyone, and if you heard that, that's my little baby screaming, screaming some more. Uh, there we go. So the first thing I want to share is that know what matters and be prepared mentally and emotionally to shift all of your focus when needed, not when convenient. See, the thing about the arrival and the passing of life is that it can't be postponed. It happens when it happens and it forces us to shift all of our focus to this. However, these aren't the only times that our full focus is needed. When you get sick, when a family member needs you, when you discover that something that matters to you uh, dearly, or when you discover something that matters to you dearly, there are plenty of moments where it's really critical that we shift our focus. And if we don't, we most likely will end up regretting it. I've missed birthdays. I've missed family celebrations, health check-ins, um, important things in a relationship because I didn't shift my focus. This has even cost me a marriage. You know, I was divorced once before. And a big part of that was because I was so focused on just career-related things and I was not willing or ready or able, I should say, to shift focus. I didn't practice this. I didn't, I didn't make this an important part of my strategy. And so the lesson here is know what matters and always be willing and ready to shift full focus to whatever aligns with your values, your passions, and your purpose. I can't tell you what these things are. I mean, I think some of them we can agree on, things like our health, our, our physical health, our mental health, our well-being. I mean, those are just kind of the basics, right? And that's just looking at us. But I would also argue that I think we can all agree that there are certain people in our lives that matter a lot and and you know who they are and so whoever they are for you these are the people that i think also if we don't shift our focus to them then when they need us when these folks need us in their lives these are the kinds of things that we're going to regret at some point so know what matters and always be willing and ready and able I should say, to shift full focus to whatever aligns with your values, your passion, and your purpose. Only you know what matters to you, and so only you can decide what requires your full focus. But when that moment comes, shift your full focus. Give it everything. Put whatever it is to the side, because if this priority is more important than whatever the other thing is, then I can promise you that it really doesn't matter what happens to the other thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. Things will fall through the cracks and some bad things will happen in that other thing. Maybe it's your job in the case of family or, or life or death. It might be your job that falls by the wayside. But think about it the other way around. If, if you kept your focus on work 
and you didn't shift it to something that you know matters more to you, just imagine how you're going to feel later on. And, and also as important, just imagine what that's going to mean or to the other person, to the people who needed you in a moment. That's going to fall through the cracks. And that falling through the cracks, if this is more important to you, again, you only you can decide what's important to you. But if that falls through the cracks, what's going to be worse? That falling through the cracks or a project at work falling through the cracks? I'm not saying that, that oh, it'll be fine. No, I'm not even telling you that it's going to be fine if a project at work falls through the cracks. For all I know, you might have unforgiving managers, unforgiving leaders, people who don't care, don't understand. And they might even fire you for not being around when you when you needed to be there. We had a big project. We were closing a big deal. We lost a lot of money because you shifted your focus fully. So I'm not even telling you that everything will be okay in that particular way. But what I can tell you is that everything will be okay with you. Everything will be okay and right with you because you will have dedicated your time in the grand scheme of things to what mattered most. So know what matters because that's the first step. And then be prepared to mentally and emotionally shift all your focus when needed, not when convenient. The second lesson, have faith in something. My faith played a massive role in navigating this greatest fear of my life as it unfolded last year. I believed 1000% that this was God's will and that this is what needed to happen. I trusted that he was looking after my mother in the best way that he knew to. While I would have loved to have had her with me for my entire life, I had full belief that God knew better and was going to take great care of my mom. My faith allowed me to, at times, even smile with happiness for my mom during her funeral. And why? It's because I knew that with all of my heart that she was being called back by God and that he was going to take care of her from here on. So I knew this was what, this is what needed to happen. And in my mind, there was no doubt. In fact, I thanked God for the gifting her and us the extra months that we did get so that she could reach her goal. In other parts of my journey to reinvention, I apply the same exact faith. I really, truly believe that life is happening for me, not to me. And this is something that has actually been a part of my life, my faith, since I was much younger, since I was about a late teen. And so many things have happened since then, good and bad. And I've always had faith that this is what was meant to happen and that this will somehow pave the way for something better. I just don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know in what way. And it's not for me to know. It's just for me to believe that it will. And I've always had something great come out of a very difficult moment even. You know, I was once arrested and I actually spent a night in jail and even still in that moment I distinctly remember when I was back back home and um sitting sitting at the edge of my bed thinking about wow how I had screwed things up to this point but I said to myself that I believe that everything is going to be okay and I don't know exactly how it's going to unfold. And I have no idea when and where it will be okay. But I know that it'll be okay. So I'm going to go through whatever I have to go through now. The process, the procedures, the steps that I had to go through after that. And I knew that, I, that, that in, in whatever way was needed or necessary that God would be with me. And, and he was. 
And and I, I even found things that later in life, I, I, I found myself saying, wow, it's a good thing I got arrested back when I was a kid, you know, and those moments, uh, I, I find myself saying them a lot about the toughest moments that I went through, even getting divorced. I, I look back and I and I'm grateful that I had that relationship. I'm grateful that it it you know that everything happened the way it happened because in the end it it made way for better things in my life. And a big part of making way for better things in life is being receptive to those better things. I mean, it's not just it's not enough to have faith that things are working for you. You also have to have faith, so much faith that they're working for you that you also remain receptive to what might come, whether it's a week down, a week later, a month later, or five or 10 years later, whenever that moment comes, it's really important that you have faith and remain open and receptive to what might, the good that will come uh, from this. So that's the second lesson. The third lesson is that, the third lesson is that when you want something badly enough and have enough reasons, anything is possible, even adding months to your life. You know, my mom showed me that in her final year, what it meant to know what you want and why you want it. I learned that when you know what you want and why, it doesn't even matter if you know how you're going to do it, because one way or another, you're going to find a way. My mom had no idea what it would take to add three months to her life. I mean, I mean, how in that moment when someone is telling you that you've got three months to live, I mean, really, we should probably just agree that that's the case. And yet, I mean, she didn't. And she knew that some way she will find a way because it was a must for her. So she got to work. She pushed her house. She pushed herself harder than I had ever seen her do in a very long time. And she got what she wanted. And I have no doubt that she left this world peacefully, knowing that her mission was accomplished. What you want and why you want it is more important than how you're going to get it. Because if you want something badly enough and you have enough reasons, anything, I mean anything, is possible, including adding months to your life. When you're told that by an expert who's tracking all of your numbers and metrics that it's not going to happen. So this is the third lesson. So what is it that you want and why do you want it? And and challenge even what you think you want, because there might be things you want that you might not have enough reasons for. Maybe it feels right at the moment, but you don't really have the reasons to power you to make it happen. I've found that many of the of the goals that I have not achieved, the ones the majority of the ones that I have not achieved were ones that I didn't have enough reasons for. I used to beat myself up for them, thinking that I'm not doing what I should be doing. I'm lazy. I'm not disciplined enough or something along those lines. But it was weird because at the same time, there were certain things that I was achieving. There were certain things that I was accomplishing, certain things that were really difficult and I could get done. And somehow, and and, and I showed discipline. I showed resolve. I showed all of those things. So how is it that how, how can I be lazy and then not be? How can I not be disciplined and yet be disciplined? I don't understand this. Like this is, and what I realized was that 
there were things that I thought I wanted. And so I challenge you to really question some of the things that you want, just in case you don't really want them badly enough. You have to want it so badly that you will find a way no matter what, and it becomes a must. And I can promise you that once you figure out what those few things are, and they won't be many, if you have 12 goals, I bet you only three of them you want badly enough that you will do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to make it happen. You will find a way. And the other nine, they're, they, they're, they're, they're nice to haves, perhaps. They might be nice to haves. And maybe some of them could even become something greater in your life, but maybe just not yet. You don't have enough reasons today, perhaps. So challenge yourself to really look at what you want and decide which ones do you want so badly that you will find a way and you commit 1000% to find a way. So when you know what you want and why you want it, and if you want it badly enough, I can promise you anything is possible. Lesson number four, be in love with the problem, not the solution. So what I mean by this is know what matters to you and focus on that rather than on your plans. You know, I planned on my mom being there for Sophia's first Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. None of that happened. I planned on a lot of activities regarding my book launch in the winter. None of that happened. I planned on a lot of things that did not come to fruition or pan out. Life happened. And what a blessing it is to have a life where life can happen and things can go differently than we plan. You know, with my priorities as my North Star, even as things didn't go according to plan, I found other ways. I made other plans. And the reason for that is because I was not in love or so in love with any one plan that that was the goal. We have to be careful that we don't let the plan become the goal. The moment the plan becomes the goal, we lose sight of the real goal. We lose sight of our North Star. We lose sight of our purpose. We lose sight, our, we lose sight of our reasons and our mission. And when you lose sight of your reasons and your mission, I can almost guarantee you that the plan will not work out. Because chances are, if it's something worthwhile, it's not going to be easy. And you will have to execute a plan flawlessly in order to make it happen. And if you can't execute it flawlessly and you give up because you were in love with the plan and you just figured, well, then this can't happen, then it won't. You'll need to be so clear on why you're doing something and what the North Star is that no matter what plan fails, you'll just find another way. You know, when Sophia started pushing her way into our lives a year ago, we focused on her. When my mom passed away, we made plans to be with family. We focused on family to spend time together and support each other. When I got sick with COVID, I made plans to rest and get better for the new year. At the end of the day, I still pursued what mattered. I just found other ways to do so. And when my career plans didn't work out the way I wanted, the book launch didn't unfold the way I wanted, the business didn't unfold or develop the way I wanted it to by the, at the end of 2022, well, I made new plans to figure out what else I could do. And I focused on those instead. So fall in love with the problem, not the solution. Fall in love with your mission, not the plan. Fall in love with your purpose, not the particular vehicle by which you get to that purpose. Fall in love with those things, and I can promise you, it'll be a lot easier to find a way. You know, imagine coupling this with knowing what you want and having enough reasons. Anything is possible. You will find a way. When it becomes a must, no matter how, you will get it done. 
So fall in love with your mission, not the solution. And the fifth and final lesson I want to share with everyone is about learning how to grieve. Now, this one is, uh, I, I don't know, maybe there is a way to apply this to life outside of this or not. I'm sure there is, but I'm going to leave this one up to you, to the listener, to figure out how you might apply this. But maybe you are dealing with grief, and this might be helpful for you as you're navigating your own journey. And so about six weeks after my mom passed away, I made a decision to visit her at the mausoleum every Friday. And to make it a little bit more symbolic, I booked time for this during the day. You know, my mom always uh, was so proud of me and all of the things I was doing. And so she always understood when I was busy. And, and, and so anytime I didn't have time for her, she was always understanding. Come see me when you can or call me when you can. All of these things. And she was like, you know, I know you're working on important things and I know that you're doing things that, you know, you really love doing and all of that. And so she was always just so understanding of all of this. And so um, so when when she passed and I decided I wanted to start visiting her every every week, I, I took it once uh, one one step further and I decided that I wanted uh, to do so during the day. You know, I booked time for this during the day. I wanted it to be during the work day. And so I decided that I wanted her to forever be a part of my day schedule. I didn't want to be something that I do on the weekends, you know, when I have time on the weekends. I wanted to, it's symbolic, right? Like, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with the weekend, but the week has always symbolized. And I think for many of you, you'll agree that the week symbolizes this moment that, we often say is off limits to things that are not work related. You know, those hours between eight and five or whatever they might be for you. And, and it, and it could be different hours, whatever they are. But, you know, we, we look at the week Monday through Friday as the time for work. And then Saturday and Sunday is a time for us, time for family, time for spirituality, time for giving, time for rest, time for working out, whatever it might be. And so I wanted this, that's why I wanted it to fall on a Friday. I wanted it to fall during the workday. I didn't want it to be something that happened after the workday. And so I, you know, I, I'm recording this and I, I was just visiting her um, before this, before this recording. So uh, very timely, of course, you know, to be talking about her uh, right after visiting her. And so she has a forever entry in my calendar. I set it as repeat forever. Um, I don't have a lot of entries that are repeated forever um, because I assume things will change in life. And so I find the moment that that entry ends, but this entry doesn't end. This is a forever entry. This is a must. I will always find a way. And yeah, I might be traveling from time to time. I mean, you know, last week I had to go to Denver for a speaking engagement on a Friday. So I made sure that I flew back 6 a.m. on Sunday. I left Denver at 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. Got back by, I landed at 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. Then took an Uber home. Got Sophia dressed and ready. We went to mass. And then from mass, we went to visit mom. And this, um, so, you know, even if if it didn't happen on Friday exactly, it's such a must that it will happen on one of those days right around there. And so I make sure that this is how I treat it as a must. 
And so this has been an important part of grieving for me because it has really allowed me to do it in smaller bits, you know, rather than maybe doing it in bigger doses. I do it in smaller doses. And and it's really nice. I, I actually have a whole ritual for when I go to see her. I listen to a certain song. Uh, that song is, for those of you wondering, it's a song for Mama by Boys to Men. And I listen to that on replay uh, in the car on the way to the mausoleum. And then I sit with her and, and you know, we catch up a little bit. Um, sometimes my wife and Sophia join. And then Sophia, of course, is playing with grandma and all of that. So uh, this is how I have been grieving. It's been a year of doing this. Uh, I, it's, it's one of the favorite, one of my favorite moments of the week. And, and I share this with you and I share the symbolic nature of why it happens during the week. And so, you know, as I'm thinking about this or saying this, I, I think one of the ways that this could apply to, to you, even if it's not, if you're not grieving at the moment or going through a moment like this, it could be that you make time for someone who is with you at the moment. But during the day, maybe it's making time for um, your child during the workday. Maybe that's kind of the point, right? Yes, you can hang out with your child before or after work or maybe with a parent who is living um, or with a partner or spouse, whatever it might be. You could do this in the weekends and in the evenings. But maybe you decide that, no, you know what, on Thursdays, from one to three, I'm going to play with Sophia or I'm going to play with my kid or I'm going to uh, get lunch with my wife or husband or whatever, my partner. And maybe that's it. That, I think that says a lot. And so I'll, I'll leave you to think about how this, but this is, you know, uh, the other lesson I guess that comes out of this one is breaking something difficult down into smaller bits and you know grieving is a difficult one i wasn't sure exactly how to do it i also um, uh, worked with a therapist for a few months after my mom passed away i wanted to make sure that you know one of the big reasons was i wanted to make sure that there were no blind spots or anything i was missing and one of the things that she shared with me uh, her feedback to me was that you know this strategy of she said to me there's no real playbook for grieving, meaning there's no like definitive list of things that you can do that will guarantee that you grieve properly. She said it's different for everyone and there are no perfect rules or no commandments for this. There's no like research says that this is the ultimate way to grieve someone's you know passing. But what she did say was that, but what you're doing by breaking it down into bits is probably the closest thing she said that I that she could recommend anyone do when it comes to grieving. Of course, what the activity is is up to you. But she goes, you know, how you've done it, you know, the, the song you listen to in the car, you know, the time you spend with her, the fact that you've chosen during the day, the fact that you do it every single week, you break it down into bits. You give yourself time every single week, the gift of time to release, to to be with her, to process feelings. And, and by doing it in smaller bits, it becomes a lot easier to tackle something this, this difficult. And so maybe that's a lesson. Anything might benefit from this, right? I guess a lot of things could benefit from this. Our health and our wellness, maybe we're, maybe we're going through a health challenge. Maybe we're sick in some way. 
breaking this, breaking it down into smaller bits. What are the smaller things that I can do that I can commit to on a daily or weekly basis that will chip away at the problem? Because there's really no marathoning this problem. There's no, let me go hardcore and just like, you know, three full days of going intense at it. It might be better off being split. So learning how to grieve and, and, and also for me, it's meant remaining close to my mom. I think there's a few lessons there that could be applied. You know, I wasn't sure if I should share all of this on this podcast. And I questioned if this was even relevant to, you know, the school of reinvention. Um, but I realized that what, uh, you know, I, what I shared here today has been one of the greatest challenges that I have faced on my journey to reinvention and navigating it with faith was so important to coming out of this stronger. And I think that whatever the moment is, whatever the setback is on your journey to reinvention, you know, I think that some of these lessons, you will be able to apply them to your situation. So I think that in the end, my conclusion is that this was relevant to share. And even though I wasn't sure at the beginning, I'm even more sure now that I've almost done with this recording, I'm, I'm feeling very confident that this is helpful. And, and I also want to say that I appreciate you uh, listening uh, to this because this has also been helpful for me to get this out. It wasn't easy to get some parts out, but it, it's been very helpful. You know, in this uh, last year, I'll add this last part here, but in this last year, thanks to Sophia, I've reinvented myself into a father. So this anniversary, this time, this week of, you know, the, these five-ish days uh, between, you know, the 20th and the 25th, I think will forever be um, the anniversary of the moment when I became a father, uh, when I also lost my mother. Um, and, and fatherhood is just like any other reinvention. I mean, it's a great one. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It's a really, really great one. Um, but it's, it's like a reinvention. My values and my purpose have totally shifted during this time. And I'm making adjustments, you know, uh, most of them unplanned to go back to planning. Like, right, they're, they're not the ones that I planned on doing, but I, I'm going with what I'm experiencing. And I'm doing it so that I can get into alignment with what really matters to me. And this is what I talk about in my book, The Journey to Reinvention how to build a life aligned with your values, passion, and purpose. And one of the big ideas that I talk about is how life is always changing. Our purpose, our values, our passions are always shifting. And as such, we need to make sure that we stay in alignment with them. And so other parts of our life have to stay aligned. And they won't always be according to plan. And But they will be incredibly important. And it will be the important reason why we need to make those shifts into alignment. Anyway, thank you uh, for, for listening to this episode, for listening to my reflections. I sincerely hope that this helps you in some way. And I do know this episode will release um, before Thanksgiving 2023. So uh, I just want to say, I, I, you know, if you're based in the U.S. or if you celebrate Thanksgiving, you know, I, I wish you a very special time with your family. Um, I, I wish for you that you are able to completely shift your focus, even if only for a day to your family and and enjoy that time and, and enjoy those moments and really take time to write down, think about and write down ideally what you are grateful for. Um, obviously, we know that we've probably heard it all at some point that this is a great practice for every single day. Um, but if you don't do that practice every single day, do it on Thursday. 
Do it on Thanksgiving Day at the very least. Do it that weekend and take some time to do that. So enjoy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy time with your family. And I'll uh, see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Reinvention podcast. Again, I'm your host, Roger Osorio. If you're ready to start your journey to reinvention and want to walk the path with others, visit www.rogerosorio.com and go to the School of Reinvention to check out for yourself how a community-based coaching platform can help you begin your next reinvention. You can also go to rogerosorio.com to purchase my new book, The Journey to Reinvention, and receive some exciting bonuses. Until next time, make your day great.